0: Women's Health Melbourne is a boutique, specialist fertility and women's health practice, caring for women at all life stages. We're proud to provide world-class, holistic medical care, including IVF and a range of other fertility treatments. We provide our patients with every opportunity to
1: achieve their goals. Our two Melbourne locations are in Fitzroy and our new state-of-the-art Caulfield practice reach us at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au and you can follow both Women's Health Melbourne and Dr. Raylia on the socials. Welcome to Knocked Up, the podcast about everything to do with getting pregnant, with Dr. Raylia Liu from Women's Health Melbourne. Miscarriages have been mentioned in the Australian media this week. And today with Dr. Raylia Lou, we're going to talk about what they are, how they happen, can they be caused by stress, and how miscarriages are no one's fault. Raylia, thank Mm -hmm. you. Tell us
0: about what a miscarriage is. A miscarriage is when a pregnancy goes wrong at an early stage. Uh, and it can involve losing a baby in the first trimester. It's the most common kind of miscarriage, and tragically some women do lose a baby in the second trimester before 20 weeks, and at that point it is still defined as a miscarriage as opposed to a stillbirth. If you lose a baby after 20 weeks, it's recognised as a stillbirth. Rather than a miscarriage? Rather than a miscarriage. And that's because we have to draw a line in the sand, I guess, somewhere for the definition. But um, in terms of the patient's experience a woman's experience, whether you lose a baby at 19 weeks or, or 20 weeks, it would still involve the same amount of the heart same ache. heartbreak. Absolutely. So a miscarriage is nobody's fault. And as far as the medical fraternity feel based on the current body of evidence, it can't be caused by emotional stress alone. Not to say that emotional stress can't have severe and serious impacts on health, definitely
1: it can. And certainly stress can
0: impact conception. Yes, absolutely. So some women when they're stressed, be it a physical stress like excessive exercise or uh, dietary stress like anorexia nervosa, being stressed in terms of the burden of disease on your body for any chronic illness. Um, sometimes women stop ovulating because of those kind of stresses and so they can't get pregnant. But once you're already pregnant, we don't think that the way you feel or emotional stresses in themselves can impact an early pregnancy. And that's because a pregnancy is relatively protected from our emotions. And the way I explain it to patients is the pregnancy is kind of on autopilot while developing in those early weeks and the behaviours that we have and the things that we do um, most of the time can't impact that. There are some behaviours that can increase a woman's risk of miscarrying, things like smoking cigarettes, abusing substances, having physical impacts to the pelvis um, like an injury or a car accident or an assault but emotional stress alone, we think, cannot
1: cause a miscarriage. Okay, so this is a sort of a topic that, so far, has it has been researched, and so far there is nothing conclusive showing that stress alone would cause miscarriage.
0: Yeah, but having said that, the research that's been done, um, it's very difficult to do robust research in this area, and that's because stress is something that's quite subjective.
1: It's completely, it's completely subjective. Yes,
0: but in terms of research that's looked at measuring women's stress hormones in a cohort of women and seeing if women with a higher cortisol level, which is a marker of a stress hormone, are more likely to miscarry, um, that hasn't shown any evidence that that's the fact. And there have been studies that have looked at stress and miscarriage over the years and some have hinted that there may be an effect, but when you look at the full body of evidence, um, it's just not there in terms of proving any causative link between stress and miscarriage. So if stress doesn't cause miscarriage, what does? The miscarriage is caused by a mistake made by a baby and another cause can be dysfunction or disruption of the environment of a pregnancy. Most mistakes made by babies are genetic and I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. Other mistakes made by babies are spontaneous errors in development. And one thing that I I talk to my patients about is that every pregnancy is a miracle and to make a normal baby from two single cells merging together to go on and make an amazingly complex human being involves multiple series of events without a single error occurring. Which is why we call it the miracle of life. And it's a miracle. And... If there's an event along the line where things don't go to plan, that can cause a miscarriage. And so there's millions
1: of opportunities
0: for something to
1: not go right?
0: Literally millions of opportunities. Okay. So it's amazing that we don't see more miscarriages. But we do see a lot. I mean, miscarriage is very common. Right. So very common. What does that mean? What it means is that most women who have a normal baby will also have had a miscarriage one in five pregnancies miscarry overall but based on the fact that miscarriage becomes more common as women get older, um, if you're 40 for example,
1: one in two pregnancies conceived will end in miscarriage. So we're saying that now based on the population mix and when women are having babies it's about one in five but as we're getting older that number is going to become one in four or one in three and then as you get older it's the, the statistic adapts to you. So whilst it might be one in five for the overall population of women in Australia trying to get pregnant, it's one in two for a 40-year-old woman.
0: Yeah, that's right. And in terms of women who are over 43, it's the vast majority of pregnancies that are going to end in miscarriage. So you can see that it is really common. One thing is we don't talk about it.
1: We don't. We don't talk about it. And it's such a sensitive topic that you can't talk about it with your friends or when you do, as I try to sometimes, it, it doesn't end well. So why, if it's such a common thing, why, why aren't we talking about it? I think it's cultural and I think it's historical and I think we
0: should really be trying to change that. I mean, it's quite common in my practice for most women not to tell anyone they're pregnant apart from their partner until they reach the end of the first trimester and certainly that was true also socially for me among my friends, mm. and when I had my own children, um, I
1: probably did the same thing. I think it's just starting to change. I know with my, within my social group, two very recent pregnancies, I've had friends tell me they were pregnant well in advance of the end of their first trimester. And they said it's because if they did miscarry, well, the people they'd want to talk about the miscarriage with would be the same people they'd want to celebrate the pregnancy with. And that's why they wanted to talk about it. Early on
0: yeah I think there's also a perception that they're in the past anyway that there's some kind of shame, shame. In, in losing a baby which is ridiculous but it's just one of these things that you know when when cultures change our behaviors change slowly yes and um, I think a lot of women feel it's their fault when they lose a baby which is completely not the case and a lot of women I know in my practice, a lot of my patients, if they do lose a baby, they ask questions like, what What have I done? What could I have done differently? Is it because of that glass of wine I had when I didn't know I was pregnant? I mean, all of these things. And, and I, I actively reassure them that, no, it wasn't their fault, that nothing they could have done would have changed the outcome and that, that they're not to blame and that they're
1: very likely to go on and have a normal baby next time it's complete it is completely a normal part of of having a child isn't it is having that miscarriage at some stage so if we look at a miscarriage what are, what are the steps to happen so you're miscarrying either it happens organically or you go to the doctor and there's a problem what what are the steps that happen when, when you're miscarrying?
0: So some people learn that they're losing a baby by having bleeding and and the pregnancy resolving by itself. And that's quite a common experience, especially in the first few weeks of an early miscarriage. You can have a biochemical pregnancy that ends in miscarriage, which means that you have a positive pregnancy test. Maybe you do the test a couple of days before your period's due and then you have your period either on time or one or two
1: days late. So that's a very early miscarriage. So so that could actually be that you're pregnant and you don't even know it and just you might have a slightly heavier period or maybe not even. Yeah,
0: and lots of people who have a clockwork menstrual cycle, when they start trying, might find that they have a cycle here and there that's thrown a little bit out, that maybe they've had a bit of a longer cycle by a couple of days. And that's often because there has been kind of conception and sperm and egg have got together in the body and tried to implant but something's
1: gone wrong at a very early stage and we don't really panic when those happen because we, we don't really know they're happening
0: well and also i think there's a degree of emotional investment once women actively acknowledge that they are pregnant and, and excitement about of that course. event and much uh, anticipation and, and happiness and you kind of have this projected thought of you know yourself and you know raising a child and you know, how things oh. are going to be. And so when you lose a baby, it's not just the physical loss, but it's the loss of those mm. expectations and the loss of those dreams.
1: Yeah, it's it's in a way the end, like the end of any relationship where you saw a future and that future just got cut short.
0: Yeah. So yeah. that's when a, a pregnancy spontaneously miscarries. And then there can be another category of miscarriage which is known as, in medical terms, a, a concealed or a, a, a missed miscarriage, I, I call it a silent miscarriage, when a pregnancy is lost, a baby stops developing, the baby's not alive anymore, but there hasn't been any bleeding yet.
1: Okay, so then how how's that diagnosed?
0: Often it's diagnosed on ultrasound. Sometimes a woman has a sneaking suspicion. A lot of people do when they have a silent miscarriage, they do have a feeling that it might be going wrong because sometimes pregnancy symptoms abate. So sometimes they might have been feeling more breast tenderness or a little bit of nausea and that's gone away. Right. So So they haven't
1: had any bleeding. Okay. Um, So they're starting to feel pregnant and then that feeling goes.
0: Yeah, so that can happen. But having said that, the feeling of pregnancy is very much to do with the chemical response to the pregnancy hormone called beta-HCG. And because that's not made by the baby, it's actually made by the growing placenta. The baby might have been lost, uh, but the placenta and its tissue is still present. So women can still even feel pregnant when they've
1: lost the baby. Oh, that's so sad. Okay, so let's say this is the case, and you've you've had an ultrasound, and we've identified that there's no heartbeat. Is that what we're? Yeah, there's no yeah. heartbeat. So what what would what are the options? So
0: it has to be confirmed that it's definitely a miscarriage because sometimes we get our dates wrong and so sometimes we might think that we're six weeks pregnant and in fact we're four weeks pregnant because ovulation happened a little bit later in that particular cycle or we've just miscalculated. Mm -hmm. So usually if I see signs of an early pregnancy that could look normal but just a week or two behind... Then I'll do another ultrasound a couple of weeks later for the patient just to confirm that we couldn't be interfering with a viable pregnancy. But um, the options for managing a miscarriage once it's been diagnosed or a silent miscarriage is to either wait, so conservative management involves just watchful waiting without intervention and you can do that for two weeks without increasing the risk of a woman getting an infection by doing nothing. Um, after two weeks of conservative waiting, um, you really don't want to keep waiting because a woman could get a uterine infection
1: um, from a, a miscarriage that hasn't been managed. So what we're saying is that the fetus is has stopped growing. There's no there's no life, but it's isn't being ejected by the body. And if it doesn't happen naturally after two weeks, then you've got to intervene on a medical basis?
0: Yeah, we well, don't have to as such, but I would recommend it. Okay. Because an infection in the uterus will be something that can reduce your risk of having a healthy pregnancy in the future and that's obviously not something that, that a woman
1: wants in this circumstance. And probably be quite painful and uncomfortable and have other effects too.
0: Yeah, and just emotionally as well. And Just, you know, it's a saga that's going on and on and on Yeah, and, and most women would at that point want to find some kind of resolution. And be able to move on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are some women who want to have active management from the beginning from as soon as it's confirmed that it is a miscarriage, and that's fine as well. Yeah. So I tend to put these options to my patients, and um, I'm very much guided by their preference. Mm-hmm. Some women feel they just want to deal with things surgically because that's the, really the only way where you can nearly hundred percent you know, kind of guarantee that
1: the Everything's episode, it's
0: over yeah. um, and it's sorted out and you can you can move forward. Um, surgically involves, um, surgically managing a miscarriage involves emptying the uterus, um, through an operation. Is this, under gen- is this under general? Yep. It's a, it's a relatively minor operation. It is under general anaesthetic. Usually I give a patient medication to make the procedure more gentle mm-hmm. by letting the cervix dilate a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's a similar kind of medication we use to induce a labour. Okay. Um, it just makes the cervix softer. And, and more kind of naturally dilating yeah. um, as opposed to forcing with an instrument. And then, what we do for a, a suction curette, which is what the operation is called, is gently dilate the cervix to about eight millimeters and place a little tiny flexible cath- uh, kind of cathodite, a plastic tube, inside the uterus and under suction, remove the pregnancy um, and sac. Mm-hmm. And make sure the uterus is empty. Personally, I use ultrasound to double-check that everything's complete. Yep. Um, And then the tissue from the pregnancy can be sent to the pathologist um, and a range of tests can be done on that tissue and sometimes it gives an answer as to why there was a miscarriage. Okay. Not always, but sometimes it does.
1: So what would would you be looking for in, in those tests?
0: I've been looking for two things. One is histology, so that's how the cells look under a microscope. And that gives me a clue as whether it's a molar pregnancy, which is a type of pregnancy that will inevitably miscarry and that it's important for me to know about to make sure that it's resolved. Uh, And it can tell me if um, there's any infection that might have been associated with the pregnancy loss. Um, Certain infections like listeria uh, or salmonella, Okay. can cause miscarriage. Yes. Uh, and the other thing that I send the, the products of conception off for, we call it products of conception, that means the tissue from a pregnancy, yep. is a chromosomal test, mm-hmm. so called a karyotype, uh, which I don't do for every single patient, but a lot of my patients I would offer them the option. And that's to look to see if the chromosomes that the babies have um are correct? Mm-hmm. Did they have the right DNA roadmap? Did they have the potential if they followed their genetic instructions of becoming a normal baby? Because if the answer is no, that can give a lot of understanding uh, to a woman as to why the miscarriage happened.
1: Probably especially if they haven't had genetic screening before.
0: Uh, yes and no.
1: Um, there's there's two kinds of abnormal karyotypes.
0: So karyotypes just means chromosomal number mm-hmm. and and chromosomal map. And our, the chromosomes are the structures that our DNA is stored on in our in every cell of our body. And the DNA is is like the the blueprint, if you like, of of the instructions that a baby follows, um, and that a cell follows in, in any any form of life. To to function in a normal way Um, so it's the instruction manual Mm -hmm. and you can either have an abnormal instruction manual because when the sperm and the egg got together to make the embryo there was some kind of imbalance that was spontaneous so it wasn't from the mum and the dad it's just that it happened yeah it's nobody's fault it just happens Uh, it happens commonly Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and the older we are the more common it is that a mistake happens or there's a very rare kind of DNA problem called a translocation or an inversion, and that's it's quite complicated. I'll try and explain it simply. So with our DNA, it's not just the amount that has to be correct, but it's also the way it's arranged. And okay. a translocation is when a little piece of one chromosome is stuck on the end of another. So it's kind of a mistake structurally, but the patient or the woman or the man could have the right total amount of DNA. So they've got the right total instructions but just kind of in the wrong order. But when we give DNA to our children, we only give
1: them half of our DNA, half from the mum and half from the dad. So if part of it is out of order or not constructed in the conventional way and that's the part that gets inherited by the child that's where the problem could be yeah so
0: it might be what we call balanced in the parent and that means that they've got the total right amount but it can be unbalanced in a baby and in couples who one of them and it can be the dad doesn't have to be the mum but when one of them carries an imbalance in their baseline dna it's a they've got what we call a not an imbalance they've got a balanced translocation but their dna is arranged in in a slightly different way they can make a high proportion of unbalanced egg and sperm and they can make a high proportion of unbalanced embryos with their partner and that can mean that they've got a really high chance of having a miscarriage compared to anyone else. So, for example, where the baseline risk of miscarriage would be one in five, it might be that their baseline chance of having a all-baby might be one in five. Okay. So that's a very special form of miscarriage um, and I've helped multiple patients in my practice with this particular problem once identified by genetically testing embryos before we put them back through IVF um, called pre-conception and diagnosis and and then pre-implantation diagnosis of embryos uh, and then achieve normal ongoing pregnancies for these couples um, and healthy babies.
1: So whilst miscarriage is is just unspeakably devastating, there could, could be some light found in the process? When we
0: find a reason for miscarriage especially recurrent miscarriage um, and we find a reason for it then it can be very powerful in that we can use technology to help couples go on to have healthy babies and to prevent further miscarriages. One of the other ways that we can use technology in women who have uh, not a predisposition to miscarriage because of a chromosomal abnormality but a a predisposition because of their age. We mentioned that over 40, a significant number of babies will will miscarry just because of spontaneous mistakes. Um, Actually, Mm -hmm. over 35 that will happen. Mm -hmm. And that's because the eggs have been with us for our whole lives and they get metabolically fatigued towards the end of our reproductive life. And from 35... So cheery. Well, it's, it's, it's <laughs> important to understand it because women, you know, blame themselves and, and think, you know, what have I done when actually the Nothing. ex just, just made a mistake. Yeah. And and it can make a mistake in a young woman too. It's common. But they're more likely to make a mistake the older we are. And certainly over the age of 37, uh, if you've had more than a couple of miscarriages and we think the reason is that babies are just making mistakes it's a very reasonable thing to do to consider going down an IVF pathway so that we can test embryos and put embryos in the bank in the freezer Mm -hmm. so that you might be able to have more than one baby down the track because if you're having a great deal of trouble at 37 um, and you come back in your early 40s wanting to have another baby that can be even harder
1: yeah
0: Um, but also that when we do put an embryo back that it's far less likely to make a mistake and far more likely to be a healthy baby at the end of the day. So that's another way that we can very powerfully intervene in a woman who's had recurrent miscarriages.
1: So what's recurrent? Is that anyone who's had more than one?
0: It's one of those definitions that there's a lot of controversy. Officially, it's more than three. Ooh. (laughs) Three. <laughs> yeah, but look, that that's the thing. I mean, certainly when, when I was in England in the NHS, in the National um, Health Service there, uh, you wouldn't be investigated. It's a purely public system. You wouldn't be investigated for recurrent miscarriage causes unless you had three consecutive miscarriages. But I have to say in my practice, in a woman who's had two miscarriages, I investigate and in a woman who's had one miscarriage but really feels strongly about it, I investigate.
1: So it's a case-by-case basis yeah. and other factors such as age and if you're using IVF, all of these things would be taken into consideration.
0: Yeah. And the things that we're looking for in women who have recurrent miscarriage, so we talked about karyotypes of chromosomal rearrangements. We look for that. Yep. We look for blood clotting problems, which mm-hmm. can be either a priori, so they either have a a blood clotting problem that runs in their family or in their genes, or they might have a blood clotting problem that's acquired through autoimmune disease. They might have other autoimmune factors like thyroid problems that can be fixed, Um, and so kind of tweaking their hormones and just getting it exactly right, getting the balance right. Um, Sometimes weight loss because being overweight or obese is associated with miscarriage, so lifestyle factors Uh, can be quite powerful and certainly women with polycystic ovarian syndrome, statistically speaking, are more likely to miscarry. Okay. However, most women with polycystic ovarian syndrome go on to have healthy babies. Yes. So you shouldn't be frightened of, of recurrent miscarriage if you just have polycystic ovarian syndrome. But if you look on paper, statistically, it is more likely to miscarry in that category. Okay. But then when you're trying to get pregnant, you'd be speaking to your doctor about that anyway? Yeah, Absolutely. Women with diabetes, having the sugar right, getting the sugar balance right, really reduces the risk of miscarriage and reduces the risk of having a baby with an abnormality, especially in the first trimester. So I love to see my women who have frank diabetes, either type 2 or type 1 diabetes, before they're even trying to get pregnant and work together to get their sugar right so that they're not in the
1: situation that they're having recurrent miscarriages. So half the DNA comes from the father. Can... That impact on the pregnancy and cause a miscarriage?
0: Yeah, absolutely it can and we don't even think about that as women but it definitely can. So if you take a woman who's 40 who's using a sperm donor, if you choose a 25-year-old sperm donor, her chances of having a baby are better than if you choose a 45-year-old sperm donor. And so why is that? Well, as men get older, they acquire DNA damage in
1: their cells. So it's not just women who probably shouldn't wait too long.
0: Absolutely. And while men make sperm their whole lives, so they're not you know, under the constraints of going through a menopause, um, their sperm certainly deteriorates in quality as they get older. So an older male is more likely to have a partner have a miscarriage. An older male is also more likely to have A baby with a series of different problems so for example schizophrenia is more common in in the offspring of older men autism spectrum disorder is more common is it so it's of men it's not women yeah well we we know that from research and also uh, we know that it's more likely to have a series of different de novo mutations in the dna um, in the male sperm like for example um, a lot of people are familiar with achondroplasia which is a form of dwarfism Um, of being a dwarf, but that's much more common to spontaneously happen if your father is older. So there's lots of things that, that we know the DNA damage in sperm can contribute to risk of miscarriage and that's important because we know we can actually modify some factors. So what can
1: a man do to improve the DNA quality of his sperm?
0: Well, There's quite a good body of evidence that using antioxidant therapy can help. So antioxidants are chemicals or or vitamins and minerals that mop up free radicals. So things like CoQ10 or vitamin C or vitamin E or melatonin are quite potent antioxidants. Um, So often if I think a man has high DNA damage in his sperm, I might prescribe antioxidant therapy. There are lifestyle factors. We know, for example, that smoking does extra DNA damage to sperm and that men who smoke have partner's At risk of miscarriage more Mm -hmm. than other people so ceasing cigarette smoking for three months before trying to conceive can seriously Mm -hmm. improve sperm yep Uh, and also if i'm worried about a man's sperm quality then i'll also look at his hormones and just make sure that things like his
1: thyroid function are normal okay so there's things we can do on both sides
0: yeah absolutely and of course not to forget healthy lifestyle so Diet is probably our best source of antioxidants through fresh fruit and vegetables, optimising weight, reducing um, physical stress and also just looking after ourselves,
1: getting enough sleep and being happy and healthy. Making sure we have emotional support. Yep. Yeah. So we probably need to start thinking of miscarriages more. This is an opportunity to learn something more about the process and what's going wrong rather than thinking it's, it's our fault.
0: Yeah, we definitely shouldn't blame ourselves for undergoing a miscarriage. Um, important to remember that the women who have miscarriages are the same women who go on to have healthy babies 99% of the time.
1: This week, when a friend asked me what topic we'd be covering on the podcast, I said, miscarriages. And her response was, oh, why? Why? And I said, because no one ever talks about them. And she was like, you're right, they don't. And I hope that this has helped a bit. Um, Obviously, we're just starting as a culture to change the way we approach miscarriages and understanding why they happen. Uh, For more information about Dr Raylia Lu and her services, you can go to her website, womenshealthmelbourne.com.au or you can email us on podcasts at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au and you can find us on all the socials under Women's Health Melbourne. Thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week.